20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here as always with my co-host Andrew Mertig. It's Friday. It's good to be back. What is going on, Mr. Mertig? Yeah, whatever, Kyle. I, I'm not even going to acknowledge that you're here today. I have a lot of important <laughs> updates to make. And first, I wanted to give a shout out to Blue Wire Podcast because Packaday became a member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network this week. And I am really pumped about how far we've come in just over two years with a team of super talented people, plus me. And uh, Kyle, there was a little wavering in your voice, maybe a little bit of trembling and and that tells me that we have something really special going on this week. We had sort of hinted that we might have a special guest, and it is now just dawning on me that like anybody listening to this episode would have read the description and they already know who our <laughs> guest is. So like me teasing this is really stupid, but I'm gonna continue to do it. And usually I do like these really long, drawn out introductions that are probably super annoying if you're a guest on the show, but this guest, in fact, needs no such thing. I'll I'll just simply say he is the co-founder of Cheesehead TV. Our guest tonight is Aaron freaking Nagler. Aaron, this is your second appearance on the Packaday podcast, I believe. So so welcome I back. I believe so. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And hey, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for asking me to be on. It's always a pleasure. Always great to be on this Andy Herman-driven rocket ship that you guys are all uh, a part of. And uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for asking me. We're just hanging on Andy's coattails, hoping to <laughs> go along for a pretty cool ride. And that's, one of the things that's that it, banky, man, I I feel you, dog. I feel you. I know so. <laughs> what one of the things that I was reflecting on, like we we certainly live in an era where there's tons of amazing Packers coverage. It seems like there's another great website or podcast that pops up all the time. Uh, we have experts across the Packers blogosphere. Um, you can literally listen to a Packers podcast 365 days a year. It's and nice. It's nice. to me, it all started with Cheesehead TV. And and so my first question is, did you ever think we would get to a point where, like, where we are now when you and Corey were getting started? Like, for instance, having Matt LaFleur on your show twice? Uh, yeah, no, that's a little crazy. Yeah, we had him on last night on Transplants. And I mean, I put it on my Insta last night, like this idea that Corey and I used to record the show in Corey's spare room up in Inwood, uh, the very upper reaches of Manhattan um, back in the day. And now Corey is literally waving at the head coach of the Green Bay Packers from <laughs> his humongous window at his beautiful home in Green Bay, Wisconsin, across the street from Lambeau. It's a, li- it's a little surreal. Um, but I will say it's kind of what we always dreamed about in the sense of like, look, like we just kept going. Like a lot of people started blogs and then they either got bought or folded into other entities or they just stopped producing content. We just kept going like we're we're passionate Packers fans. We love the Packers. Our thing is always we were born Packers fans. We're going to die Packers fans. We're going to be here the entirety of our lives. We want to share that fandom with other people around the world, which is what we do. And 
you know, I love that. Like when we started, there were a number of blogs that are no longer around, but a lot of other blogs, sites, uh, entities, brands, what have you, have have kind of sprung up, especially in the last, I want to say, two years or so, which I absolutely love. I love the community. Yes, we fight sometimes. Yes, we have differences, but we're all <laughs> Packers fans, and that's what it's all about. And that's what Corey and I always wanted to foster is this idea of, and we do. Like there was a, a episode we did very early on. I want to say like the first two years of our existence where we were like, we need more Packer blogs. We need more people creating content. It was funny. I never expected what we have now to kind of spring up, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the idea of everyone expressing what they feel. And hey, some people are experts. Some are not. Some people are just fans. And that's great. I love that. I love that idea of the passion of Packers fandom driving you to express yourself in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, you know, I'm an ex-actor. I'm an ex-creative. you know, So that's kind of how I approach things. But any ability that people have to share their passion for the green and gold, I'm all in. So this is this is the part of the show where I expose my nerdiness and the fact that I remember super random things from when I was a kid. Well, one it. of the things that I've always been very fascinated by are coaching trees. And I remember there was a full spread in Sports Illustrated when I was a kid that showed all of the coaches who started under Bill Walsh. And right. Mike Holmgren, of course, was one at the time. And then eventually, you know, he went on to have his own incredible coaching tree. Bring his own, right, right. And that, to me, got got me thinking about the Cheesehead TV tree. And, oh, no. you know, you talk about oh, people no. all across the Internet, you know, oh, like the Andy Hermans, the Dusty Evelys, the the two hosts at PAX, which she said, and, and like so many countless more people. Um, you've had a massive impact on how we digest the Packers, period. And and whether or not you're willing to take credit for it, I, I think you certainly deserve it. So that's the part of the show where I suck up to you. Well, that no, that's very kind of you. Because, like, it's funny because Corey and I do talk about the idea of kind of – it's funny. We like, You talk about the Packers, and it's all about draft and develop, right? We certainly draft people. We develop them. And then – Hopefully they go on and do other things and create other things. I mean, look, you don't have to. It's funny to walk through the press box now. I mean, I can't now, but last year I walked through the press box. I see Zach Cruz. I see Ross Uglum. I see uh, lots of people who have written for Cheesehead TV, or maybe that's how they got their start. Or if you go on iTunes and you look at the podcasts surrounding the Packers, you see lots of people who've come through our doors, our virtual doors. And I couldn't be more proud of that idea. The fact that, look, I, I understand that, like, we built this brand and it's a bit of an umbrella. I understand that. But, man, people have gone on to do great things and we celebrate it. We love it. I love it when uh, Zach, Zach with Packer Reports, another great example of somebody who, you know, he was writing. And I, I remember I remember DMing him and saying, dude, I want you to come write for us. You know, and that's a guy who's now going on. He has a paying gig. And he's writing about the Packers. I love that. I love the idea of, okay, here you go. Here's this platform. Now, like, make something of it. And that's what I think, like, you mentioned, Pax, what she said. Look, I am fully aware that it is only a matter of time before Maggie and Perry have their own, like, multi-million dollar deal and are, like, humongous stars on NFL Network or whatever. Like, that is going to happen. And the idea that, like, Cheesehead TV brought them together, I absolutely love it. 
That's incredible. It's really cool to see uh, that all taking shape and to be a part of it in some way. Uh, before we jump in too far today, we want to talk about the Packers and the incredible season that we've just seen kind of come together. Obviously, fans are, for good reason, enjoying this 4-0 start to the season. But I have to ask you, Aaron, is this the most fraudulent 4-0 team <laughs> to ever play football? Clearly. I mean, no doubt about it. All you got to do is ask pro football focus, and they'll, <laughs> they'll put it down for you. No, yeah. I mean, like, look, this is legit, man. This is real. I keep telling people. It's funny because of their offensive prowess. You keep hearing comparisons to 2011, 2014. Dog, I'm taking it back, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> this team reminds me of the 96 team in the sense, obviously, the 96 team had the number one defense. This is not the number one defense. But in the sense of there is not a moment in any game where I think, the Packers don't got this. The mm. Packers are in trouble. The Packers may lose. I have not felt that for a nanosecond this year. Mm. And let me tell you, there has been a great many moments in the last decade plus where I felt like, oh, this might be getting away from them. Mm -hmm. This year, I haven't felt it once. I, there's not been a moment where I haven't thought Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, they're going to figure this out, and they're going to march down the field. They're going to score a ton of points. And, yes, the defense may get taken advantage of at times. But, look, in this modern NFL, hell, if Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren were plopped into 2020 and given these rules and given this situation with COVID and whatever, limited offseason, blah, 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 they would have gone fucking crazy. They would have gone supernova on this league. So, yes. I am all in on this team. It is Super Bowl or bust. That's awesome. I, I gave you some bait there, and you gave us a lot of, of positive expectations for this all team. In, man. Uh, we're going oh. <laughs> to continue on this. We're going to continue this positivity. Uh, the 2019 Packers were, were a really fun team to watch last year. They won a ton of games. It was exciting to see the Matt LaFleur offense take shape, and really a new kind of culture beginning to be built there under Coach LaFleur. But something does, as you said, it feels different this year. We've only seen four games, so small sample size, right? But And you talked about this a little bit, but what, in your opinion, is that biggest difference from last year to now this year in 2020? It's funny because I think you look at the differences, there's not a lot different on the defensive side, right? It, it, you look at the defense still struggling against the run at times, um, still very opportunistic. I think the red zone defense has fallen off a little bit, but I think that will rebound. But for the most part, on the defensive side, it's pretty much what I expected. You look at the offensive side, that's where the greatest difference comes, obviously. And to me, the more I look at it, the more I think about what the nature of the offseason was in the sense of we've heard both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers talk about how they really drilled down into – the scheme into what worked, what didn't play by play. I'm not talking about game plan by game plan. I'm talking about like, literally it's third and six. What did we run? Okay. This worked, this didn't. And this idea that nothing was precious, nothing was, uh, you know, above reproach. Nothing was okay. We can't touch that. Everything was open. So they went through with a fine tooth comb because of the fact that they couldn't put anything on its feet 
They couldn't get on the field during mini camps, OTAs, what have you. They literally were resigned to Zoom calls and spreadsheets and, you know, film. So they looked through it like the academic lens and said, okay, this is working. This is not. How can we improve? And they culled everything that was uncomfortable or didn't work or made them stub their toe and got down to, okay, this is what's really working. This is what we are all very comfortable with. And look, they've only expanded on everything that worked last year, added to it, improved it. And to me, that's the number one thing. Because you look last year, how many games was it where we saw them on offense where, okay, they were efficient early on? I mean, week two is the perfect example of 2019 where they score three touchdowns early. It's 21 nothing against the Vikings. And you're like, oh, coasting. This is it. And then all of a sudden... Drawn my Allison fumbles and it all falls apart. And like they can't string together a single scoring drive after that. Um, that is the direct opposite of what we've seen this year, where they haven't been incredibly efficient on early drives, but they've seemingly gone in with their openers and known how to move the football, adjusted, and then just put up a boatload of points. There has been no point where there's been a defense. Like you look coming out of that. Uh, second, uh, coming out of halftime on Monday night against the Falcons, they come out and they're, they're going to try and run the ball. And clearly the Falcons are like, nope, you're not going to do that. The next drive, literally the next drive, they're like, okay, a couple of plays, we're in the end zone. It, it's just, that was something that wasn't happening last year. And obviously it's a testament to Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Luke Getze, and Nathaniel Hackett, because they have done yeoman's work. So... We, we've heard this ridiculous criticism, and I, I think it's starting to fade away a little bit that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is uncoachable, and you bring in this hotshot young head coach who doesn't have, a, you know, any head coaching experience in Matt LaFleur, and there's no way he can rein in Aaron Rodgers. Do you prescribe to the thinking that Aaron Rodgers changed his outlook this offseason? Maybe that's due to Jordan Love getting drafted, or maybe it's due to him just re-embracing football or, or maybe it's due to Danica being gone. I don't know what, what kind of crap you want to talk about. Is this just a case of a quarterback who's in year two of an offense and, and that has made all of the difference? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I don't think it's the idea that Aaron has adjusted much. I think if there's been an adjustment, it's been my Matt, uh, as far as, um, Kind of, it's funny too because we talk about last year. You talk about Aaron Rodgers and everything they kept in the scheme that he was comfortable with with McCarthy, and we saw a lot of that spread stuff and a lot of it didn't work. I don't think it married very well with what Matt wanted to do. But as I was just talking about, as far as like the the going over the scheme with the fine tooth comb, I do think Aaron and Matt were both very open minded, and I think Matt has kind of said or kind of open himself up to, okay, these are principles that maybe aren't traditionally part of this offense, but I'm going to allow them to work as far as like, even uh, it's funny because he talks about a lot, a lot about condensed formations and they do obviously run a ton of that. And they've been very productive out of that, but it's so funny to watch things like Aaron Rodgers hurry up to the line of scrimmage or the stuff with the hard count and getting free plays. That certainly wasn't anything that Matt LaFleur or Sean McVay, or Kyle Shanahan, or anybody 
on that tree we're dealing with or working with, etc. But Matt has kind of, I think, allowed that because he is the head coach. You know, he still does have final say. Uh, he has a lot, you know, incorporated that into, okay, you saw ESPN freaking missed a play because of it on Monday night <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers went to the line of scrimmage quickly and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's just not something they did a lot, a lot of last year. Now, I think they're allowing a little bit more of that. And I think on Aaron's side, he has kind of maybe not acquiesced, but he understands that the five wide, the spread stuff maybe isn't the best approach. Although there has been a bit of it. There's If you go back and watch the tape, there's been a bit of it throughout this early part of the season. I just think the year two thing, meeting in the minds, I, I do think they are uh, understanding each other a whole, a whole lot more at this point. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about the guys who are, catching passes from Rodgers for the rest of the season. Uh, I think everyone was pretty excited about the clear step forward that Alan Lazard had taken and how he really showed up against uh, the Saints there in week three before this core injury that he's now dealing with. MVS really hasn't made a huge impact since Adam ha- Adams hasn't been taking that coverage uh, his way. We saw Tanyan obviously have a huge game on Monday night. So I want to ask you, Aaron, who's second in line for targets coming out of the bye week? After we get a little bit of a break here, maybe we calibrate, recalibrate a little bit with what we do have after the injuries. Is it going to be MVS? Is it Tanyan? Uh, does someone like Equinemius St. Brown step up once he's healthy? Who's the second pass catcher for this team coming out of the bye? This sounds suspiciously like a fantasy football question. I don't, I don't know if I should even answer this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm totally kidding. Um, it's clear. The answer is clearly John Lovett. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No. Um, I, you know, you want to say, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Aaron Jones, right? Because he is such a dual threat and they have clearly shown a desire to feature him in the passing game. Um but hey, you know, if it if it ends up being Tanyan, which I suspect it probably is, I'm down with that. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't count out MVS just yet. I, I do think, yes, even without the coverage rolling to Devontae, he hasn't exactly exploded across your screens, whatever. But I do think there's still a chance if Devontae comes back and they do start rolling things Devontae's way, don't look any further than week one where Rodgers hits him on that go route at the end of the first half, you know? I just think Rodgers is clearly going to throw to the most advantageous spot. And, quote-unquote, the open guy, which is in the NFL, you know, that might be a guy who's actually kind of covered. But, uh, yeah, to me, if I had to, like, pick one right now, it'd be Aaron Jones. Just because I think clearly teams are going to try and take away one or the other. And on the weeks they try and take away Devontae, Aaron Jones is going to feast. Mm-hmm. So what what do you see as the key to this team continuing their run of success through the next 12 games and then inevitably the playoffs? Is, is it this offense continuing to work at a ridiculous rate? Is it the defense stepping up a little bit more like they did against the Falcons? Is it uh, J.K. Scott finally breaking out and having a game where he gets more than two punts? <laughs> Um, I'll give you the real world answer and then I'll give you the football answer. The real world answer is uh, staying diligent regarding the uh, COVID protocols, because, look, we've we've seen now the Titans are in a world of craziness and they're going to have to have their game rescheduled, blah, blah, blah. 
look, this the the COVID, the pandemic, whatever, it could completely shut this season down. And people don't want to hear it, but it's true. And nobody wants to think about it, but it's a reality. And to me, it's all about you don't want to waste a season, right? You don't want to waste a year. Uh, you would talk about wasting Aaron Rodgers' prime. We don't want to waste a year where clearly we're off to a great start. We don't want to get up, right? So, and Matt talked about it a little bit on our show last night. It's all about staying diligent. Um, but that's the one thing that I could see really kind of messing up the season, right? You want to talk about on the football side? Obviously, the healthier players is huge. The Packers were incredibly healthy last year. They are dealing with many, many, many injuries so far this season. Uh, no question there that that is a part of it. But as far as what needs to happen, the guts of this team, the engine that makes it run, is the offensive line and the quarterback. If they have it, like, and that's what I I kind of kept saying leading into Monday night when people were freaking out, freaking out about Alan Lazar being down, blah, blah, blah. Devontae Adams may not play, and then he didn't end up playing. Oh, my God, sky is falling. No. As long as this offensive line remains intact, and what's crazy is that intact means like the top six or seven guys are available. Because that's the other thing. Rick Wagner played better in his 120-something snaps than Billy Turner has played in his 120-something snaps. But both of them are serviceable enough where you can make the offense operate at an insanely high level. And as long as that offensive line and that quarterback are intact, this team is going to put up insane numbers. And to me, that's what it's all about. You talk about on the football side, if that offensive line is intact and is relatively healthy and is able to produce – uh, the level that we have seen through the first month of the season, this team is a Super Bowl contender. There is no doubt about it. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is a god. He is going to distribute the football. He's going to do what he does, but he's only allowed to do that because of the offensive line. So to me, those are the intertwining moments, mesh points, what have you, in regards to this team and their prospects for 2020. If that's intact and if that's working, Super Bowl or bust. Love it. Super exciting to hear that and just to dream about what could be for this 2020 team. Um, you talked about Aaron Jones just a second ago, talking about he's probably a big recipient of those targets. Um, we got to talk a little bit about the future, too, with this team. And so Andrew and I frequently fight over Aaron Jones. Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's a staunch, never pay running backs guy. Um, but while I typically take that position, I'm more willing to pay a running back like Jones, who really does damage in the passing game and has that dual impact during a football game. But uh, the market has been set at this crazy high $12 million a deal for these running backs right now. Um, someone's going to pay him. And so I want to ask yes. you where you're at on Aaron Jones. Do you think that the Green Bay Packers should be the ones who write that big payday for uh, him? Or should that be another yeah. team that writes that check? It's so difficult, right? And this is why I'm so glad I don't have to make these decisions. But I will say, I will say this. Um, it's clear that it's funny because you say someone will pay him. I'm not so sure that there's another team out there that will pay Aaron Jones to play running back for their team at the tune of $12 million. But if the Packers re-signed him at that number, I wouldn't be upset. And it's weird. It's a weird kind of dichotomy of the sense of like, 
I don't think he's as valuable to any other team as he is to the Packers because of their scheme, everything they do. Maybe Kyle Shanahan pays him. Maybe uh, Sean McVay pays him because they run similar schemes, blah, blah, blah. blah. I doubt it, but you never know. Um, I really hope Aaron and his representatives understand how special the situation is that they're in. And it's rare that that happens, but it does happen in the NFL where, um, you know, representatives for a player understand that maybe not taking quote unquote below market value is in the best interest of their client. But I do think it is in this sense because he is so special in this scheme with this team. And I think you put him on any other team. If the Steelers pay him $12 million, if the, you know, Chargers pay him, whatever, you, you pick another team. I don't think he's as productive and I don't think he's as 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 special. And that's not to discount his talent. It's not to discount his con- contributions. But I do think the Packers could make up that production eventually. But I also think they are a much better offense with him in it. And that's the kind of tightrope you have to walk. So would I do it? I'm an idiot. So, yes, I probably would. But I do think the Packers, I do think Brian is very smart. And there's a reason he drafted A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is their leverage. That's the guy he's going to point to where, okay, this is the kid ready to take your spot. Like, give us a hometown discount. You know, don't look back. You don't have to look much further than, um, who uh when Jason's when they traded up for Jason Spriggs, he was the heir apparent at tackle. And remember when da- the, there was all sorts of noise around David Bakhtiari possibly moving to guard, which of course now <laughs> if we think about it, it's like fucking ridiculous. And which, by the way, my Twitter feed will attest, I always thought was ridiculous. But that was the that was the narrative, right? Like, oh, maybe they kick him into guard to keep quote unquote to move Jason Spriggs, Jason Spriggs into the <laughs> starting, you know, but that was the leverage the Packers had. So they ended up signing Bakhtiari. So to me, it's like, you know, AJ Dillon is there and he's their leverage to say, look, we don't want you to go, but if you have to, if you're determined to hit the market, we have a kid that we're ready to like coach up and put in there. So hopefully my, my, my gut is they will find a common ground. They'll find a middle ground where they don't break the bank for Jones, but they do pay him enough. They do get him some incentives, a bonus structure or whatever to keep him in the fold. Because look, this offense is much, much better with him in it. All right. I got one last question for you. Do you think at any point during the season that NFL defenses are going to catch up to NFL offenses? No, no, I don't. I know it's funny because like I think the declarative statement there is that game between the Chiefs and the Ravens, right? Where the Ravens are a really good defense. They've got a ton of talent on that side of the ball. And the Chiefs basically showed the NFL it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. Especially in this day and age where look, maybe we get to December and defensive defenses have quote unquote adjusted. But come on, the, the advantages on the offensive side of the ball, even just from a rule standpoint, I just it's so hard. It is so hard unless you have literally 
the most athletic, disciplined, perfect 11 on your defense, it, you're going to have a tough time stopping the most prolific offenses. So I, maybe de- uh, in some way, shape, or form, maybe there's some cyclical nature of the NFL that comes around in a year or two where defensive coordinators spend an offseason looking at tape and they say, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the key. I don't see it. I have no idea what it is. It's not going to be here anytime soon. It's certainly not going to happen in season. Well, I just wanted to take the time to say thank you so much for joining us. This has been incredibly fun. Um, I think everybody probably knows where to find you on Twitter, but in case somebody's been hiding under a rock, um, if you could share with us uh, where they can find you on on Twitter and other social media, and then like what what kind of things are coming up for for you and you and Corey on Cheese TV. Yeah, uh, the 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 pack the handle is uh, at Handy Herman. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's <laughs> at Aaron Nagler. Uh, it's just my name, A A R O N N A G L E R. At Aaron Nagler. Um, as far as Cheesehead TV, yeah, we 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 do what we do. You know, man, we had Matt Lafleur on last night. We may or may not have some fun guests coming up on Packer Transplants. We've got. Uh, I do my daily chat every day, literally every Monday through Friday. On the YouTube channel, um, Packers Daily, at 10 a.m. Eastern, every single day. It's great. We've built up a really fun community uh, as far as like people literally checking it out every single day from all over the world. Um, and that's our Patreon members, too, our Patreon folks. We just did, literally before I was on this podcast, I was on our happy hour. Again, people from all over the world. It's great. I mean, Packers fans worldwide, baby. That's what we're all about. We love it. We're all about Packers fans. We're not about – we love the Packers. We love them to death. But we are dedicated to Packers fans worldwide. Yeah, so go check out that episode of Transplants if you haven't seen it yet with Matt LaFleur. It was, it's, it's always really enlightening to see, you know, the head coach of the team uh, kind of open up. Um, and and I, think, I think you have a great rapport with him, so that's always really fun. And uh, you can catch – uh, the lime, the live game day stream um, as well. And uh, check out being a Patreon member if you get a chance. But uh, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Pack Day Podcast. Yeah, wow, I can't talk today. Uh, please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we're going to be back next week with a week six matchup preview against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, I'm going to be hosting tomorrow's episode, so if you like to geek out on uh, draft stuff and you're not sick of my voice yet, check that out. Uh, thanks for listening, and as always, remember. Go, go, go!